Welcome to our new podcast, Sim Fails, Conversations from the Sim Couch. We are simulationists across the globe, bringing together our different perspectives as we discuss our failures in simulation and how to learn from these failures so that maybe we can save you from painful experiences. The Center for Medical Simulation presents... Welcome to Sim Fails and other conversations on the Sim Sofa. You're here with Janice Pelaganis, Marcus Rahl, and Kirsty Freeman. And we are doing a special podcast this week because it's Healthcare Simulation Week, everyone. Yeah. Uh, Thanks to you, Kirsty. Seriously. Uh, it's a whole team that bring it together. But I wanted to use this week to sort of ask you both to reflect back on your early simulation careers. I know it's going back a fair way for both of you, but I want you just to reflect for a minute and think about when we didn't know what we were doing, we were making it up. Can you think of one of the very first things that you stuffed up when you were running a simulation? Yeah, that was one thing we, you know, we were running a simulation and we didn't know what the team is doing. We really started to not understand anymore what they are doing. And we were still thinking, well, we will find out in the debriefing. But the longer the scenario runs, <laughs> the more we were off track. We didn't have any connect anymore to what they are doing and what was our scenario. Then after the scenario, we found out that the monitor with the vital signs was off. But we oh. didn't realize. So in our simulator, the monitor was there, but their monitor was off. So they didn't have any vital signs. So the scenario was not doable with that. Uh, but you know, we didn't realize. And of course, the, the whole scenario was not usable. You couldn't do a debriefing with that. So what we learned <laughs> is that whenever you don't understand your participants anymore, you should just stop the scenario and ask them what's going on find out and then perhaps recontinue the scenario when you've solved problems. So how long did the simulation go on for without them having any vital signs? Well, I think it was probably five minutes into the scenario when the problem started and we didn't see the monitor on our screens. So we just didn't know what was going on. And then probably the scenario lasted for an hour or seven minutes or something like that. The core of the scenario was just not working and we were not able to evaluate. So that was disaster. Yeah. So what was your takeaway learning from that, Marcus? What did you change in your practice? Well, we try to have better views of what's going on in the simulation so that we see what they see, <laughs> you know, that we don't have kind of uh, indirect monitoring of what's going on in the scenario room. And the other part is really that our motto is whenever we don't understand what they do, and this is kind of influencing the scenario, it's meaningful to the scenario, we rather would recommend a stop, just go into the simulation, say, sorry, <laughs> you are doing things which we don't understand. We have to clarify that in order to, to continue that meaningful for both of us. And then we, we kind of restart the scenario. That works pretty well. How about you, Janice? Oh my gosh, I've had so many. I recently watched videos from when I first started and everybody has to start somewhere, right? And I feel like where we started was we had the panel dividers, like it was an office setting, the realism factor, not there. And so, I mean, there's always things, there's one moment that burns me, like it's just a scar of mine from earlier <laughs> in my simulation career, which was, you know, it's not that bad, but it's bad. I mean, it was an interprofessional simulation 
and I had medical students and nursing students and respiratory therapy students. And so they were doing one together and the medical student, and back in the day, I thought it was kind of cool if they all played different roles so they can understand the role, which was stupid because they just play the various the very stereotype that you're trying to break down. And the <laughs> yeah. the medical student goes, I don't know. I wouldn't know. I'm just a nurse. Yeah. Says that. <laughs> and I did not, I was not skilled enough, not skilled enough as a simulationist, as an educator, as a debriefer to even address it. I didn't. I didn't address it. And it burns me. It burns me to this day. Like I wonder, I cannot believe I didn't even say anything. And I just let that go. So that that scarred me. And I think in many ways has made me a better educator and is a nice mark in time where I've seen my growth as a debriefer to have the courage to go there when it's like, what the... So anyway, that's one. And then, of course, there's always, I feel like everyone's got funny genitalia stories, but that was always like one of the things that we never did in the beginning was like change it. We always forgot to change the genitalia and then they'd go in and expect Mr. So-and-so and and it's a miss. I don't know. Everybody has those stories, I guess. (laughs) Yes. Genitalia in the simulation world can cause many of us issues and embarrassment over the years. It's funny. So as I was sort of reflecting on as you say, there are many to draw on, but one of my very first ones was as a simulated patient. So because I have a background in acting, I was always really passionate and the first person to put my hand up to be the SP. And this was going to be really exciting. It was an emergency medicine simulation where a drunkard, psychotic patient is coming into the emergency department and going to be managed by a team. Oh, I had my stuff down pat. It was going to be an Oscar-winning performance. And I didn't really pay too much attention about what the, the clinical case was going to be because other people were managing that. I just had to focus on my, my experience in the simulation. I tell you, I was so focused that I was oblivious to the fact that I had been given by the participants in the simulation uh, a fabulous amount of some intramuscular medication that was meant to make me become calm and compliant, but it didn't. And I just kept going with my performance and my performance and the poor participants were getting so frustrated because any clinical care that they were trying to, to enact, which in a real clinical situation would have made their patient comatose and unconscious and probably having respiratory issues, I didn't respond to because I was so focused on my performance mm-hmm. and that I, I derailroaded the entire simulation. You were that person, Kirsty. Wow. Wow. I was. And part <laughs> of that as well is I, I'm a midwife by trade, okay? So I have never worked in an emergency department. My drug knowledge, and plus I haven't been clinical for such a long time, I don't know how long it takes. So if a drug is given, I wasn't aware that, you know, how long it would take to kick in and and how I should titrate my performance to the drugs that I was given. And that was something that I learned, you know, at that point in time, how much preparation actually goes in to training our SPs so that they can respond appropriately to the clinical care that our learners are going to deliver during that simulation. And that they need to know that if a, if a drug is given, or if it be intramuscular or intravenous, that it's going to take this period of time to kick in. And this is how you would physically respond, how it might change your breathing and things like that. Oh, that was just so not on my radar back in the day. 
No, yeah. It's so important. I feel like it's not on lots of people's radars. We still ask people in the break room to play a role if they're free. And don't worry, you're just the new tech who has no idea where anything is. Can you just play this role? And it's so different. I mean, what I've learned from the standardized patient world in how they standardize, I mean, they really standardize and we don't think about it in the mannequin world. And by standardizing, I mean, they do do this kind of training where you have to read booklets of if they touch here, this is what you say. If they say this, this is what you do. And they put the videos side by side from different standardized patients to make sure the same thing's happening, the same tone, everything, same responses, to make sure they're truly standardized so that all the learners have the same experience versus you might have one different actor and a completely different experience. Yeah. Yeah, I think the education of the SP is very important. What we use since a few years is kind of as, as a backup uh, a radio-controlled earplug for the SP so that the instructor can always kind of give hints and, and, and modify the behavior, even so they are well-trained, because sometimes you want to have modifications of that. Oh, yeah. And I certainly tried that in the past. And um, I've had the earpiece in as someone's been talking to me, but I didn't know I had to make sure that the frequency of the walkie-talkie in my ear was the same as the security guard outside who was doing yeah. the rounds <laughs> at the time. Uh, so that was a little bit confusing. Yeah, uh, so yeah. that was a, another lesson learned. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you're right, Janice, sometimes it's okay for a simulated patient to perform and um, participate in a simulation and not give a, the same experience. It doesn't always have to be standardised. But we still need to, whether it being a simulated patient or a standardized patient, depending on the context of the simulation, I think that was something that I, I learned very early on, that it's not just about having a great actor playing the role of the patient, the family member or the clinician. We need to bring them along with us in terms of the, the learning objectives and how the scenario is going to go and give them the, the knowledge and skills so that they can play their important role in the simulation to the best of their ability. Yeah. Awesome. So here's to Sim Week 2019, learning from our failures. <laughs> Sim Fails and Other Conversations from the Simulation Sofa is brought to you by the Center for Medical Simulation. Find out more at harvardmedsim.org.